Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, excuse me, what's today's Chef Special? Welcome to Chef Special, the podcast that brings you the world of food and beverage with facts and information that challenge the status quo. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell, with Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your best food destination choice. Today, I'm excited to welcome to the show my good friend, Ryan Porter, founder and co-owner of Naya Natural Products. At Naya, Ryan works with organic and all-natural food producers worldwide to grow and establish their business at Costco. Today, Ryan takes some time to discuss the extremely competitive environment and the intricacies of placing food products into Costco. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Patrick? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. Well, me too. And, and it's, it's great. Uh, we'll get into quite a bit about you and Costco, because it is a show about Ryan Porter and Costco. Uh, but I thought it'd be a good... Uh, <laughs> and by the way, to the, to the listening audience, I, like so many of you, love Costco. Uh, when I mentioned to some people that I'd have you uh, on the show, they were um, interested and they said, oh, Costco. And because everybody shops at Costco. And it's, it's just such an amazing, amazing uh, store. Um, and it just, I love it. I love it. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about maybe how we met, which is kind of an interesting story. We met when you were running the Pacific Dessert Company and you had that fantastic item, that cinnamon crumb coffee cake that Costco loved. <laughs> oh, thanks. And uh, um, that's, I think, how we got connected. We, uh, I was representing your products and we would sell to Costco together. And I remember we got Costco out to the plant at the time and they liked quite a few of your products. I think we ended up with, I think we had a total of three, three items that we got in. I think so. Yeah, the, the cinnamon crumb, and then you had the apple one, and then we had that raspberry, that raspberry oat bar. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think that was your favorite, but uh, I, I think the it was, coffee actually. cake sold. <laughs> I think the coffee cake sold uh, a, a bit better. But yeah, so it, it's been a while. I remember when I first met you and, and you walked in the room and I, I remember looking at, I'm sitting, I look at your chest and then I, my eyes go up and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the tallest man I've ever seen. And he's so young and so, <laughs> and, and anyways, I, it's a great memory of you. Uh, yeah, I'm just so happy, happy to have met you and you do an amazing job with Costco. So let's talk about Costco. How, when and how did your Costco relationship begin, Ryan? For me, it started in 98. Uh, it was actually when I had finished school, uh, mm -hmm. upon graduating, looking for a job. I didn't even know at the time that I, I'd never heard of a food broker. I'd never known that that was an occupation. And mm -hmm. I interviewed with a company that had offices inside Costco's headquarters. And mm -hmm. they were a, a food brokerage. They represented a number of manufacturers to Costco. And I got my first my first job out of college there. And so um, I got an up-close look of how Costco operated. I, I spent eight years at that company before starting my own business. That's a long and, time. Hmm. Yeah, it was a great, uh, it was a great time. I um, made a lot of relationships uh, within Costco and in the broker world and just the food industry in general. Mm -hmm. And then uh, um, I, I just, it's the only thing I've done. I absolutely love it. And uh, I don't ever see myself doing anything different. I, I really enjoy the food business and mm -hmm. 
the way that Costco's model works and, and how they operate is fascinating to me. I think they do an amazing job and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Now that sounds great. So you say you were there for about eight years and is that when you started your company? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about your company. I mean, when it was formed and uh, I know that it has a really cool name. So tell me about how you got that, how you picked that name. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's uh, Naya Natural Products is the name of our company. And Naya is my daughter. So she's 14 now. But uh, uh, so, yeah, it's it's named after her. And I have a business partner. There's seven of us total. When I started this company, I... I had a, a couple of things that I wanted to focus on. One, organic and all natural products was something that I felt like was important mm-hmm. to the industry. It was it was really starting to grow in the 2000s. Costco and, and Costco's members wanted that product and it wasn't as easy to find then, but I, I wanted to be a part of, of that movement. And and not to mention, you know, having having young kid young kids at the time, well they're still fairly young, but uh, um, I wanted to represent and be involved with products that I would feed my kids. Mm-hmm. And so that was one focus. Um, another focus is, you know, I, I really enjoyed working for the company that I worked for when I learned this business, mm-hmm. uh, but I did represent a number of companies and um, most of them had their place with Costco, but I wanted to represent products that I felt really good about. I, I wanted to really believe in what I was selling and, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's not that that was a, a prominent thing at the last place that I worked, uh, but, uh, because they had some great companies, but I think overall there were times I felt like this isn't what I would normally be involved in if, uh, if I was on my own. And so those are the mm-hmm. two main focuses and, mm-hmm. and we've kind of made that, we've made that our thing over the years and, and it's worked out well for us. Hmm. And I believe you, Brian, yourself primarily to Costco. What makes Costco different, uh, from other retailers, you know, from maybe from the operating standpoint? Um, well, there's quite a few things, but it really at the core comes down to their members. Um, you know, if I can go a little bit of a, a roundabout way to get to that, just to kind of describe, you know, how they, how they culturally operate in terms of their members. If you look at, you have to pay to shop at Costco. So everyone pays an annual membership fee. And if you take, you know, Costco is a public company. If you look up their 10K that they have to file every year with the, the SEC and, and look at their income statement, you'll see that, you know, they do in their last full year, they did around 150 billion in sales. But if you look at their operating profit, what they're left with, uh, that's, it, it's about 4.7 billion. But if you look at the, the amount that they collect from membership fees in one year, it was almost 3.4 billion. So almost 70% of their operating profit is from the annual membership. And so when you understand from that perspective how important that membership fee is, then you can see that it really, for them, it really is all about their members. I think every business would say, it's all about my customers. I'm putting my customers first. If the customer is always right, you know, you always hear these things. But with Costco, I think it's actually for real. Uh, their member and, and those fees are uh, are what makes them what makes their whole model work and so every decision they make and everything they do is based on what is how is this going to impact our members mm-hmm. so there's a couple of examples that i can tell you that um, that i can give you different than what you would find in other retailers let's take medication for example okay. 
if, you know, if I, let me start with a brownie. You know, if, if you're going to sell a brownie at any grocery store, the market is only going to support a certain price point. You might sell that brownie for 50 cents. You might sell it for a dollar. Some retailers might get away with $2, but no one's going to sell it for $12. It just wouldn't work. Nope. But if you look at medication, for example, uh, if you just Google, you know, uh, medication prices, Costco, uh, some of the more prominent pharmacies that you can think of and just see some of the stories that come up, you'd be amazed. Um, I saw one where a lady had purchased some medication for her husband, a 30 day supply, and she paid $198 in cash wow. at one, one of the more prominent, uh, well-known pharmacies uh, mm -hmm. that's open for 24 hours, $198. Jeez. So after paying for it, she thought, I wonder if there's at least a little bit better price. So she started calling around mm -hmm. and when she called Costco, she found the exact the precise medication, the precise dosage, the precise quantity, $14.97. Oh, come on. Serious? Yeah. Serious. Oh, you know, and, and the thing is, is that um, uh, most of the retailers, when they look at what they're, how they're going to price things, it's, it's based on what, what will the market bear? What can I get away with? And especially when it comes to say medication where you've got a branded product that's very expensive at times um, what they'll do is with generic it's it's not expensive but if a retailer can take significant margin and still beat the branded price in theory you're still saving money but now it just comes down to will people pay that and i think a lot of people don't call around and it, it's not like a brownie where you see the shelf price all the time you don't you don't see medication prices and i think that's why a lot of these companies can get away with such hefty margins and so, but at Costco, because everything is so focused on their member, every decision they make is based on how does this impact my member? And so when it comes to what they're gonna price something at, they do have profoundly low margins compared to any other retailer. Another important thing about Costco and their focus on their members is that there's no such thing as a brand or an item that is more important than their members and Costco's ability to offer a value to them. So one example that was fairly well publicized back in, I think it was around 2009, is that Costco decided to stop carrying products from Coca-Cola. Now they did work it out. You'll find Coke products in there today, but um, I'm not privy to the precise conversations that they were having, but in the news reports, you know, it, it basically, uh, it, it boiled down to what they, what they call the price dispute. So, I mean, I can see what Costco is doing there. They have a brand name and they do want to carry it, but if they feel they're not getting the pricing that allows them to give their members the value that they deserve, uh, that they deserve for being a paying member, then they will get out of that item, even if it is Coke. I think a lot of manufacturers have a tendency to think that, oh, you have to have this product. You know, I could see Coke saying, you, you have to have Coke. Mm -hmm. But from Costco's perspective, because mm -hmm. they have such few SKUs, they could put anything in that spot and do fine. They could put dog food in that spot. Mm -hmm. And so what they're really after is they must have a value that they can offer to their members. And so there was a similar story. Um, I don't think it was quite the same. But back in you know, 2007, 2008, I think all the way to around 2010, Costco carried products from Apple. And so um, at some point, they, I think it was, it, was, it was called a mutual decision to stop doing business with each other. But within a few years later, I think around 2014 or so, 
Apple was back, you could buy iPhones through Costco's uh, kiosk in, um, you know, the, the, the wireless kiosks that they have in their buildings. And yet this time, there were bigger discounts than you were able to get before. So wow. who, who knows what hmm. the real decision was, but I know that it did come down to, I mean, Costco, uh, it really comes down to when Costco looks at a brand is that they want to offer a value. And if they can't do it, they won't do it. And there's no brand or item that will ever be more important than that value. I know that Costco, um, with the products that I had sold, you know, with your help into Costco, they care about the members so much. So they don't mark up Coffee Cake, for example, that much. And the percent marked up wasn't that much. But they also are so careful on the quality for their members. The ingredient statement, the nutritionals, they just want to make sure that it's a really good product. Quality is super important. Price is super important for the member. It's all about that. And along the same lines, even on food safety or, or you know, how they look at the facility that is making product for them is, is up to SQF standard. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You covered a couple of things there. One, you know, you, you were talking about the, the quality uh, versus the pricing. You also mm -hmm. talked about food safety and, and I can talk about those in, in separate categories. Okay. Um, you know, just real quick on the quality part, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, when we sold those products to Costco, the quality is number one. And that's actually, on, that goes for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when we present products to Costco, the first topic of discussion that comes out of a Costco's buyer mouth, uh, a Costco buyer's mouth is not price. Yes. Do they want a great price? Absolutely. But that's not the most important thing to them initially. Mm -hmm. It's, it is quality. Um, when they look at any product, um, it's, they, it's, it's amazing that the amount of detailed questions that they ask, they want to know percentage of ingredients. They want to know country of origin of ingredients. They want to know why, uh, why certain production processes might be used over others. Um, Costco buyers immerse themselves in their categories to such a degree that I think at times it, it might even be hard to share information with them that they haven't learned already. Mm -hmm. And part of that is mm -hmm. because they want to understand the quality so much because again, if, if someone's going to pay to shop there every year, then they're not going to, they won't continue to do that if what they're buying isn't, isn't uh, meeting, you know, a significant quality benchmark. And so um, beyond that, when when they do make those buying decisions, um, they also feel price actually by itself doesn't mean anything. It, it matters, you know, what is that price for the quality? So mm -hmm. there are oftentimes, you know, you can look at a product on the shelf at Costco and you can offer them a similar product for a lower price, but it might be garbage compared to the quality <laughs> level that's in there. Uh -huh. um, and so it's, it always starts with quality. And, and as far as price, you know, Costco has a term, you know, they use the, the term value a lot. And for them, value is really that intersection between what is the, the highest level of quality we can get and what is the best possible price for that level of quality. And so uh, that's their buying, their rough general buying mantra when they're evaluating an item. Um, but as far as food safety, you bring up a huge point because I would, I'm comfortable saying that um, I would actually be shocked if there was any retailer in the whole country that has such a significant emphasis on food safety and making sure that their members are buying safe products. Mm. And, you know, you did mention, you know, uh, you know, SQF and some of these audits, you know, Costco, they do have a standard of audits they want. They do want 
sort of the GFSI based audits, which are B or C, SQF. Those are those are the, the sort of the top end audits. Um, and most retailers uh, are fine just accepting those. Well, with Costco, yes, they actually, you know, they, they want that level of audit, but even that's not good enough. They've actually went a step further and they've made up their own additional questions and, and uh, an, audit, an audit checklist. They call it an addendum. It's the Costco addendum. And SQF by itself is, is just not good enough for them. They have a range of other issues that they require auditors to check within that factory. And, and only then do they feel that that plant is, is clear to supply Costco. And beyond that, they also realize that no matter what level of audit you have, it is still possible that uh, some factories could end up supplying a product that may need to be recalled. And so take frozen vegetables, for example. Um, now Costco is requiring all suppliers to test their vegetables before they receive it. And it's not just testing them for, you know, they have a list of pathogens that they want tested for, um, anything that can make anybody sick. Um, you know, they have this list. Well, it's not good enough just to take a few samples from, from the load. Uh, they want a, stati- a statistically significant sampling plan for every batch that is produced mm. for their for their vet, fresh and frozen vegetables. Mm. And that goes with meat as well. So what that means is that let's say you have a shift and you're running a vegetable for eight hours. Um, depending on the volume of, of what is actually being produced over that shift for Costco and over that batch, in order for it to be statistically significant, you have to be pulling samples off the line right before it goes into the package at very specific intervals. Mm -hmm. So for some companies that might be every eight minutes. I have one company and we have to pull this, uh, uh, one of these vegetables off before it goes in the bag every 60 seconds, every 60 seconds. And so for, for eight hours, let's say the shift is an eight hour shift. Mm -hmm. That means for every hour you've got 60 samples. And so we have to batch these hour by hour. So at the end of the shift, we actually have eight batches with 60 samples each. And they're all separately packaged and marked and, and ready to, to show to Costco for review? Well, it's actually, this is, we pulled these samples right before it's packaged. Okay. So it's, it's all loose, but now product from all of these batches mm. are sent to a party and they're tested for a range of issues. Mm-hmm. And we have to have that paperwork from the third party showing that all of those specific pathogens, bacteria, et cetera, have been mm-hmm. tested for. Amazing. And if, if, if you want to deliver that truck, you have to have that product. Costco requires it. And so um, it's, it's little things like that. Does, that. does that cost money for Costco to have a team to have to do that and to have this food safety group and, and to put this much emphasis on it? Absolutely. Uh, but it, it comes down to what do we do for our members? You know, will a member pay an extra two cents for a four pound bag of broccoli to know that it's been safe, it's been tested? Of course they would. Definitely. Um, they, do, they do the same thing with fresh meat. Um, I read an article, Costco has two meat plants that they operate uh, mm-hmm. where they're making, you know, hamburger, uh, you know, like uh, ground, ground beef, hot dogs, et cetera. And uh, I, I read that in one year, in one year, in these two plants combined, they did something like 22,000 E. coli tests. 
22,000. That's like a thousand a month almost per plant. And when they receive raw material, again, they require the test and hold. So if you don't have that third party documentation, it's not getting received. Beyond that, before they even receive it, even though the paperwork is there, Costco tests it again themselves. They take their own random samples because they just don't want anything that has potentially contamination. That's amazing. Costco's meat, I have to say, it's I have some uh, few friends that are chefs and they work hotels and I've asked them, I said, what happens if you run out of, you know, meat or something for a party? They said, oh, I just run to Costco because the quality is so high. It is. And their meat program is probably the best in the country. Yes. Ryan, you've placed a lot of products into Costco, different products, not necessarily just food. Do you know roughly how many different products you've placed? This is my 22nd year, so uh, I've been fortunate to, to have had the opportunity to work with a number of uh, manufacturers. And so I don't know the number, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. How many different categories have you sold in? I'm familiar with you working with you in the food side, but I think that once you told me you've, you've sold some other types of products too, outside of food? Um, I have rarely, yes. I've done it a couple of times. Um, okay. In, in everything I've sold, I think I've sold uh, three non-food items. But uh, I'm, it's something I don't typically focus on. Mm -hmm. Food really is where I feel I can add value mm -hmm. for manufacturers and for Costco. It's, it's what I know. Um, and so, especially with, you know, uh, Nine Naturals, we, we just focus on the food side. We've sold in products to pretty much every food department, you know, with the exception of, you know, we've, we've never done anything with fresh meat. We've mm -hmm. never done anything with fresh produce. Um, I think, you know, it, uh, despite our best efforts with you and I, Patrick, we, we have not sold anything into the in-store bakery yet either. <laughs> so, uh, one day. They're, they're, they're tough. They don't have that many SKUs. <laughs> you talked about how the, even in difficult times for members, they, they adjust even their percent of profit. How does, how does that work? Well, I, I think it starts with the overall, their overall philosophy to how to price an item. They don't, they don't disclose um, publicly what they do in terms of their margin. Mm -hmm. But you know, I referred to their 10K that they file with the SEC every year, and you can kind of look at their income statement, and and you can get an idea of what that is. You know, their their gross profit on their total annual sales for 2018 came in right around 11%, almost on the nose actually. Hmm. And so, if you think about that, that's a clue to how low their margins are. Mm -hmm. And so, on top of that, uh, you you are correct. There are times when uh, they will reduce those margins, especially on key items uh, during certain situations. For example, you know, in the, the 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, with, during that, that recession, uh, they, they realized that, you know, the average household was, was feeling pinched. And so they decided that they needed to do so too. So they would pick common items, items that, uh, you know, people bought a lot of. And they decided that they would take less margin on that. And again, that's all driven because of their absolute focus on their members. For sure. Um, a couple of years ago, when you know the the tax system was changed a bit uh, by by Congress, um, they I had a buyer tell me they were actually reducing margins then too because what had happened was 
based on how the tax system worked, as I understood it from this buyer, um, any savings that Costco was going to get in terms of those tax situations, they passed all of it on to their members through lower prices. Mm. And so Amazing. Um, it's, and, and that really doesn't surprise me after working with them so long because um, there's a lot of situations where perhaps, um, you know, pricing comes down on a certain item for a variety of reasons. Well, most retailers would gladly take that reduction of price, but they would keep their shelf price the same. Mm. This is not how Costco works. They've determined that they are never going to make more than a certain amount of margin on a product. And, and that's mm. just the way it is culturally. And so if, if a price comes down, they, their shelf price comes down with it. In fact, I even had a buyer call me once because when they receive product, you know, as you know, they have products or they have, uh, sorry, they have Costco locations in some of the non-continental U uh, S states, such as Alaska, Hawaii, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so when Costco receives product, it does cost money to take some of those pallets of product and, and ship it on a barge to wherever it's going, Hawaii mm-hmm. or Costco. And so, They'll often ask if uh, if a manufacturer could help them with that cost, offset that cost. Well, the amount of the allowance we were giving Costco to help with this cost, it was so great that what was happening is is that in when the product got to Alaska, it was making Costco's margin too much, and the buyer actually called me and is like, "I can't make that much." So, oh my gosh. So, yeah. So what we did is we we reduced the allowance so that the margin was online, and then we took the reduction that we still gave it to Costco. We actually just spent it on demos. You've seen the demos that they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in a way, uh, the entire program, we were still spending everything the way we were with Costco, but it's, it's just reinforces that uh, they've determined that because their member is, has such a prominent focus in our culture that they are just not going to make more than this margin. Wow. And it is a low margin. Yeah, I mean, it, I, that's why having this discussion, I think, is so important. Um, I've, I've worked with you, and I've worked with Costco, and I, I know that they're an amazing company to work with. But at the same time, they're really watching out for us. I mean, as 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 shoppers, when I go in, I know with a little bit of that I do know that when I shop at Costco, I'm getting a really the best best possible price that they can negotiate with their manufacturers. And it's the best quality. So I know I can't do any better anywhere else. That's why I shop at Costco. And, and it's a super reliable store. Now, how does Costco rotate products out? And then what does it take for product to stick and really get, get a good uh, position? I think it starts with just their, their philosophy on how many SKUs or how many products they're going to have at any one time mm-hmm. in a Costco location. So if you walk into any other retailer, a grocery store, just a standard grocery store, say like a Safeway or a Kroger, you're going to find that there's about 40,000 SKUs that is, that is uh, being sold in that store. Wow. 40,000. When you walk in, yeah, 40,000. When you walk into a Costco, you're going to find generally anywhere from probably 3,600 items to 4,000 tops. So, 10 times less. Wow. Um, their, their whole philosophy, of course, is that, you know, they, they want to carry the 20% of the items that do 80% of the business. Ah, so that's one way. That, yeah. So they're really looking for, you, you've gone to Costco, you know that you can't buy everything there. Mm-hmm. You still need to buy things at, at other places. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, and it's because of that, they want the high volume stuff. Now you'll also find things what they kind of called it the treasure hunt type item where this might not necessarily be, you know, a, a standard 20% of the item that is 80% of the business, but it's really cool. And it's a really good value. An example of that is that, you know, if you walk into Costco during the holidays, mm-hmm. you might find a, a can of caviar for $120 and, wow. and it's a great value for what it is. Mm-hmm. And next to that, you might find a, a prosciutto ham imported from Italy that's $250. And, yeah. And so, um, and now those are high price points, but those price points are actually extremely competitive for what the quality of the, these products are. And so um, when you look at, so that that's, first of all, to answer your question, there's kind of the, the two lines of thinking on how they determine items. One is, what, what are the items that I'm going to sell a lot of? You know, I'm going to sell a lot of peanut butter. I'm going to sell a lot of rice. So those are sort of the 20% of items that will do 80% of the business. And then you've got these other items that are sort of like these treasure hunt, these, these items that Costco's members would, they love. They, hey, I, I wasn't coming in to, to look at this item, but this is so cool. And I think we all leave Costco thinking, I wasn't planning on buying all of this. But um but that's how they're thinking. So now, you know, to answer your question, knowing that their skew count is so low, when they buy something, something has to be going out. They can't just they can't just add something. And so, because of that, they have certain benchmarks for every category in terms of sales that they want to see. They want to see that you know this you know dry grocery is going to do X amount of dollars a week, or mm-hmm. in the deli that those are going to do X amount of dollars a week. And so. For items that they try, they're, they're going to try a lot of these items, and and and, and the benchmarks are pretty high. I, I, most of the, I don't know if most, but a lot of items don't hit the benchmark. And so when you see them, you're going to see those come in, and you're going to see them go out. Some of them actually get pretty close to the benchmark, but it's not going to be able to sustain that level of sales, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 52 weeks out of the year. And that's why sometimes you'll see that item come out, and then uh, you know a few months later you might see it come back for a short time. And so even though Costco has that, that very sort of constrained uh, number of SKUs that they can carry at any given time, mm-hmm. that rotational mindset is, is critical to making sure that, that, uh, that the variety of products you can find is, is constantly being refreshed. So Ryan, I have a question for you. Do all Costco's carry the same products? No. Um, you will find some products that you'll find in all Costco's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, especially when it comes to food, you're going to find that there is quite a bit of variety by region. Mm. Uh, Costco divides their, their food purchasing into eight different regions in the U.S. And so you will find uh, differences in all of them. And beyond regional differences, you'll they also want to... They, they like to support local business. They want to, uh, they want to have a presence in each, even individual community. You know, for example, I, you know, I went to a Costco in Montana once and I found Huckleberry honey and you will not find that anywhere else. And, and so, why not? Um, Come and on. It, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think some of us who have, you know, been able, my wife is, uh, she was born and raised in Hawaii. So, you know, going back to visit family, you know, I'll walk into a Costco and you'll find a number of items that are, are very specific to the islands that, that you won't find here. And so there are a number of items, even internationally, I think if you walk into some of the products in you know the UK or in Taiwan, you'll actually find a number of 
products purchased in the U.S. as well. But you'll always find a a selection of items that are very personalized for that area. So that was my next question. So let's say the UK. Uh, if if you are, if I were to go to the UK, I probably see a lot of foods maybe that are you know from the local area. But I'm assuming like the ta- paper towels and maybe the Kirkland brand toilet paper. Do they do they ship those to the different countries? Is that the type of product you'd probably see? Um, I'm not sure specifically on the paper products, um, but that is a good example. It's if there are instances, especially when it comes to private label or the Kirkland signature brand, brand mm-hmm. if, uh, if, if there's one, maybe two suppliers that, that supply that label um, and it is an item that's applicable everywhere, if Costco can get efficiencies uh, by having a very competitive price at a certain quality level, then, then that is an example of an item that they'll put internationally as well. So since we're talking about different products, uh, there's one I keep thinking of and it gets brought up and I notice a line when I go to Costco every time and it's people lined up to get that hot dog and Coke. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that it's so inexpensive uh, for a hot dog and a Coke. And I don't think it's changed in say the last, you know, 15 years or, or what's the story behind the hot dog? Well, you're right. It actually hasn't changed ever. Uh, when Costco first opened in 1983, that hot dog was a buck fifty, and mm-hmm. it is a buck fifty today. And actually, they've they've made improvements to that that hot dog over the years. It's it's actually uh, a much higher quality now than it ever has been. Um, and I'm not positive. I don't know the early history of it, but I think it's even bigger now. Mm. Uh, and so, but I. I would venture to say Costco is never going to change that price. And I have no idea what their margins are on that, but yeah. I, they're losing money. And, they have and to be losing. Do, <laughs> and they throw yeah. a Coke well, with refills. <laughs> yeah. That's part of and, the and I, <laughs> right. And I shouldn't say they're losing money. I, I think what's happening is their suppliers, I, I believe they have two suppliers that uh, supply uh, those hot dogs. And so, because the volume is just, it's two. I, I don't even know if one person can do it maybe. <laughs> so um, they sell over hundred million of those a year. And so um, in the U.S. And so, but what they do is I know that their supplier uh, at the price they're buying it at, uh, they are not, if they're not losing money, they're not making what they need to be. So what Costco does, I'm sure, is that those suppliers are given business elsewhere so that they have that opportunity to be whole over the entire program of what they sell to Costco. So ultimately, everyone is... Is, is making what they need to be. But that, that hot dog, that, that buck 50 is uh, a signature of Costco. Wow. And, yeah, it is. Uh, they're going to keep it that way. It's amazing. Yeah, all the prices at the, at the food court are, are, I think, very, very low, very fair. So I've got another question for you here. Actually, somebody asked me to ask you, which Costco is the busiest uh, out of all Costco's? I should have researched that one a little bit more. I don't know uh, exactly. I believe it's one of the locations in Tokyo okay. and it, it does uh, phenomenal business. Mm. Uh, there's, uh, there's a location in Hawaii as well. Uh, there's, I think there's, yeah, there's four in the Honolulu area, but one of them in particular does immense volume as well. Mm. And so uh, if you think about this, let's just take, you know, what, what Costco has published publicly, you know, if you look at their sales of roughly 150 billion for the number of warehouses they have each. And, and by the way, I say warehouses, you've heard me say warehouses, uh, buildings, locations, Costco does not call 
their location stores. Um, that's a, a terminology that they attribute to sort of uh, the grocery channel. And so they call them, they, they use these descriptions, warehouse buildings, mm-hmm. uh, locations for themselves for their locations. And so, okay. um, but the average location for Costco does $180 million a year in sales. One mm-hmm. single Costco building Wow. That's about 180 million. That's and so, amazing. right now that's just the average. And so you can, you know, do the math and, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's roughly a half a million in sales a day. A day. So for, yeah. <laughs> so, but see, take some of these top selling buildings, say Tokyo or Honolulu, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that if the average is a half million a day, you can only imagine what some of these, uh, these, these huge buildings are doing. And so, and it's a lot. And, and mm-hmm. I always think, I'm always stunned when I think of that number because I think, you know, you think of just the average small business and, and what they're able to do in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. And then you look at one Costco and it's 180 million. <laughs> That's amazing. I bet the, yeah, probably at Honolulu or Tokyo, they're probably pushing the million dollar day mark, but that's just a guess. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, maybe a, one or two more questions for you, uh, Ryan. I really appreciate you being here and your time. Uh, I'm taking notes because this is this is super um, interesting to me. Not not just as uh, you know somebody that shops at Costco, but because I work with you, and it's it's really important information. Um, so, how does Costco decide on a product being given the Kirkland brand label? Because when you go to Costco, you know it's a lot of you might go and see something, and they go, "Wait a minute, this one has a Kirkland brand label." You know, is it different, or what's the criteria to become to get the Kirkland brand label? Because that it's got to mean something. For them to put their name yeah. on on it it absolutely does and and i would even say that it means more to costco than what it would typically than, than what a private label would typically mean to most retailers and so mm-hmm. at costco the um if you look at the number of kirkland signature or private label items they have and then you go and you, and you walk into the the average other grocery you'll you'll see that the number of private label items Costco has is, is quite a bit less than what you would normally find at grocery. And I, I think over time, they will increase the percentage. I don't know if it'll ever be, uh, I don't believe it'll ever be what it is at other retailers. But part of that reason is because their criteria for what they want in their Kirkland signature brand is so strict. And so number one, they first, they want an item that they know sells well everywhere. It's, it's, it's a category or an item that has shown significant volume. And what they'll do is if in that situation, because it all comes back to their members, they're looking at that and trying to think if, if we can get one supplier to do that, or maybe two, and we can set these very specific quality standards. Uh, in, in theory, if you can give one or two manufacturers a lot more volume, they should be able to produce things much more efficiently, which means Costco could uh, offer a lower price to their members. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the, the rough criteria for deciding, are we going to look at this item as a private label or not? Now, just because they decided this is an item they're going to look at, perhaps it meets that criteria. It doesn't mean it will actually ultimately become a private label item. Costco is uh, very diligent in this. So for example, where if I sell a branded product to Costco, mm-hmm. they do want those food safety audits that you've seen. And they mm-hmm. do want the Costco addendum. 
and they do want a social responsibility on it that um, is another thing that they focus on that they have their own criteria as well and their own specific auditing companies they've chosen they they want all those things but with private label you have to have all those things too but that's still not good enough um, the costco buyer has to personally visit the entire supply chain before they will approve a manufacturer for private label and i've actually seen them go to a plant where on paper they have all the right food safety audits and they have a costco addendum and in theory they should meet the requirement but i've seen costco walk through there and it is amazing the detail that they take walking through these plants and this isn't a food safety auditor this is the actual private label buyer and they'll start at receiving and they'll go through the entire plant and they'll ask a number of questions and they're really dialed into process and is the way this plant doing something, could it possibly lead to a mistake? And, and I've seen them just say, you know, I mean, yeah, everything on paper is good, uh, but I'm not comfortable with this thing, this facility for private label because it comes down to their members again. And so, um, so I think the main criteria is there's a couple others. One, uh, the, the quality that they offer has to meet or exceed, preferably exceed the quality standards of the national brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, they want to pay less and what they mm-hmm. would pay significantly less. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I say they want to pay less, it's, you know, it goes back to when you can put a lot of volume through a production facility in a very specific size and efficient size and you're doing that much week after week then in theory it should cost significantly less to produce that and so that's kind of what they're looking for they want that quality and they want a great price and they want a very strict supply chain that they're very comfortable with and i give you one example uh, of an item that i don't believe ever became a a private label item and it was Mm -hmm. early in my career Mm -hmm. probably like 99 i remember they were looking at a potato chip and they were actually studying the fat saturation level of a potato chip grown in Idaho versus one grown in California. Oh my. I mean, what retailer would think of that or care? <laughs> but Costco cares. That's, it comes down to that's the level of quality that they want their members to associate with Kirkland Signature and with Costco. And, and because their member is so prominent in their culture, that's why they will do things to that minuscule level of detail. Hmm. So Ryan, before we close, do you have any dreams or goals long-term, one year, two year, five year? Man. No, you can a- pick one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to do a good job. I mean, uh, I'm, I feel very uh, blessed to, uh, to be in the position I'm in, to have uh, the, the manufacturers that I work with, to work with that I work with. And, uh, now my main goal really is I just want to do a great job and I want to make uh, it feels good to work on a product and be involved from the beginning and help somebody get to the point where we have a product that Costco is interested in. And, you know, it's kind of fun. Sometimes I'll go to someone's house and well, they'll open a cupboard and they'll pull out an item that, you know, that I worked on or that I sold and I feel really good. Well, Ryan, I, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's been wonderful, and I hope you have a really great day. Thanks, Patrick. I enjoyed uh, having this discussion. I hope I was able to help, and uh, of course, I've really enjoyed working with you over the years as well. Yeah, same here. So thanks so much, Ryan. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening. 
Be sure to follow me on Instagram. And remember, we are available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. If you have any favorite topics or special guest requests, please let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes. And be sure to like, comment, and share the show with your friends. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.